Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. Today we have a special guest and we're going to speak about the real nuts and bolts of starting a business and really how to save on taxes if you do not have a corporation or an LLC, you're actually losing money. We're going to be talking with Deborah Sweeney, who is the leader of MyCorporation.com. With her experience in the fields of corporate law and intellectual law, Deborah has evolved from a lawyer to a business owner. MyCorporation.com has been involved in the formation of hundreds of thousands of businesses throughout the U.S. and Canada, and it really gives Deborah a strong understanding of the landscape of small business. This is really an important episode and a lot of great information coming your way, so stay tuned. It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Why do we need a corporation or an LLC when we own a franchise? Sure. So franchisors traditionally mandate that a business incorporate or form an LLC from the corporate structure. So they, as a franchisor, want to make sure that their franchisees protect themselves and their assets. So there's a um, the corporate mandate from franchisors, but then there's also the interest of the individual owners of the franchise. So as you mentioned, some individual owners come in and they might leverage their historical savings, or they might have other partners involved in the business, or they may have life savings um, that they they want to protect. And so separating your personal assets from those of your business are a critical component of forming a corporation or LLC. So when you say protecting your assets, is that in case something happens like getting sued? Yeah, exactly. So the biggest thing that can happen, well, most common is when you have debt. And so when you have people who have give, loaned you money for something and the business may not be going in the direction you want it to, they can attach not only if you do not have a corporation, they can attach your personal assets and the business assets. However, if you have a maintained corporate structure, your risk and liability is limited to the business. It's called a corporate shield or, or in the law, they call it a corporate veil. And and basically, as long as you're maintaining the corporation in a reasonable fashion, no one can pierce the corporate veil and come after your personal assets. So it's a huge value. And, and the other piece of the puzzle is often people start a business. They're not the only individual involved. They may have partners or investors. And so the risk is attributable to them, too. And you don't want to assume their risk. So you have the corporate structure that creates this sort of independent entity under which the business is run. Ah, okay. That clears up a lot for me. And so the the next obvious question is there's many different types of corporations. There's subcorp S, subcorp C, LLC, and, and even more. What's the difference? What do I need? How do I know what I need? Yeah. There's also, just to kind of look at the bigger picture, there's also nonprofits and professional corporations. So thinking about that as a structure, all of those entity types help a business or individual protect their assets. They're all creating a shield. So whether it's a corporation with an S election or you call it subcorp S or an LLC or a nonprofit, all of them have this corporate shield separating personal from business. And that's the main start. When you open a bank account, you under, open it under the corporate structure. You have a tax ID that's like it's in, an individual social security number, but it's the corporate structure entity. So all of those are, um, people say, I don't know which do they have different 
things that they accomplish. And the truth is they all accomplish a very similar thing. And that is creating liability protection or a barrier between the individual's owners of the business and the corporation itself. However, there are tax differences and that's where an LLC and an S corporation and a C corporation would come in. So a lot of them are nuanced relative to the structure of your business and the ownership. A good example is a corporation is the old school structure. And in the last Gosh, it's been 40 years that most states have evolved the S corporation structure and and the LLC. And what that structure is, it, it enables small businesses who may not have a sophisticated corporate background to have their minutes and bylaws, their operating agreement, meet all of the corporate rules, set up a structure that's simple, like an LLC. And the ongoing maintenance with an LLC is a lot more limited. So it makes it easier. So a lot of people form an LLC simply because the ongoing maintenance requirements are not as significant. A lot of people make an S election. So it's interesting, maybe too nuancy, but a a corporation is formed as a C corp at the state level. And then you make an S election to be taxed as a partnerships, meaning it doesn't tax you at the corporate level. And then again, at the individual level, which stinks for most business owners, instead it passes straight through to the individual return on an S corporation. And so in that instance, you have to have certain limits on what type of um, entity you are, but they're all the same corporate protection for your business. So when somebody buys a franchise, they're getting ready to sign their documents. Before they sign their documents, they should set up one of these type of corporate structures. Yes. Yep. So they kind of just get contact you guys at mycorporation.com, right? And you walk them through, you give them the advice of which they should be at, which they should select. So we're not allowed to give legal advice. We're not lawyers. So I have to start with that. But we do work with the franchisors and most franchisors say this is the structure you need to form. With that said, a very common structure for an, a franchise is to form a corporation, a C corporation, and then make an S corporation election, meaning that you're not taxed twice. And the income flows down to the individual owners. So you're not being double taxed, but you still have that tax protection. There's also many, many payroll benefits of being an S corporation. And most franchisors and franchisees have payroll opportunities, meaning they have employees. So the owners often put themselves on payroll and there can be uh, tax savings for doing that. It's called FICA taxes and it's a seven and a half percent federal tax. And you can save on that by having a C corp with an S election. So those are very common strategies for franchisees. Cool. So if I just want to set up, like I have an idea that I'm going to start a business or whatever, and I'm just going to set up a simple LLC. So I just contact you guys and you do the paperwork for me. And so I'm in the state of New York, but you guys are based in California. That doesn't matter, right? No, all 50 states, Canada. And it's interesting. We do, we have walk-in services. So sometimes people are not in a big rush. Say the filings take, you know, two weeks in New York, no big deal. In California, it's usually a month. Um, that's where we're based, but we have people in all 50 states who can do this it's same day filing or next day filing. And so you can really, yes, to answer your question, you want to set up an LLC, you need it done quickly, come to us, place an order, um, talk with one of our reps. We're done in 24 hours usually. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I got people out there waiting like a week or two to get, yeah. 
No, we don't know what our name is going to be, so we can't sign our papers yet. You know, that kind of thing. Right. This really helps expedite it. And I think helping them, the procedural process is sometimes the burden, right? Okay, we don't know our name. Is the name available at the state? All of these different variables. And we're able to contact the state. Is the name available? Yes, it is. We tell the customer, we move forward. So we try to make it as quickly, as quick and painless as possible. So at what stage of the process in starting a business or buying a franchise should somebody start the process of getting that corporation set up? It's interesting you ask. A lot of times people are looking for a certain financial threshold. So they're saying, oh, I don't make enough money to be a corporation or an LLC yet. The truth is it's less about how much the business makes and more about how much you have to lose. And so sometimes it's actually smarter to start even earlier by incorporating or forming an LLC. That's when you have the most risk in the business. Once you're established, you may actually have less risk, you're earning revenue, you know, et cetera. Although your risk grows when you take on employees and when you have vendors, when you sign contracts, when you have a lease. I mean, the, the, the list goes on. So our suggestion that I'm in the business is to incorporate early. It's not as cumbersome as people think. And 99% of the time, they're like, I should have done this sooner. And their CPAs tell them they should have done it sooner. And the tax savings is significant. So I think a lot of times people are waiting for something to go on. And the truth is, if they just get it done, the transaction can be super quick. And we're talking a few hundred dollars. We're not talking some sort of exponential, you know, multiple. Um, so it's it's good. Well, so there's two things that you mentioned I want to that I want to hit on. So first of all, the working backwards. So it's, it's a few hundred dollars. The your you have like a few different levels of packages. Your highest package is less than what I paid to set up my corporation 19 years ago. Um, yeah. so you guys are very reasonable. I was very happy to see that when I was looking. But, is, you know, why wouldn't you want to do it right away? Isn't there like a pretty significant tax savings if you set up your corporation to day one in business? Yeah, I think the, the barrier to entry is really just someone doing it, someone recognizing how easy it is. I think the piece of the puzzle that they get stuck on is, like you said, you'll send them to a lawyer or, you'll, or, or they'll disappear to a CPA and the CPA goes through machinations of what type of structure. It just gets all lost in the process. And I think that it's once it's, it's, you realize, okay, it's just a simple process. Choose a corporation or LLC. All of it is also amendable. I always tell people, you may be a corporation today, and you may make an S election, then suddenly you have a hundred investors. You can no longer be an S corporation. Then you change to be a C corporation. So anything can be amended and changed down the road. Nothing is stuck in stone. And I think that's really helpful. You can even convert an LLC to a corporation, convert it back. So if there's different, I mean, you're, you can't legally change. I'm a C corp one year, I'm an S corp the next, right? There has to be certain requirements you're meeting. But for the most part, you can change corporate structures when your business needs change. You're taking on investors, you need to be a certain type of structure, or you're going public. I mean, all that can change, yeah. and that's very common. Very interesting. Wow. I, I didn't realize that. I, I didn't know I could change because I was thinking about, I thought I would have to end my corporation and then start from scratch again. No. Yeah, it's called a conversion and it's super common. All 50 states have it. So it's relatively common. You can even say you have a corporation and you have employees that are in California. You can do what's called a foreign qualification, even though it's not foreign, it's out of your home, your domestic state. Then you're doing business in California and you form a qualification or you qualify to do business in California. You keep your same corporate structure in New York and just grow on that. So somewhere somebody told me, like, if you're going to incorporate, you should do it in the state of Delaware. Yeah. What's the deal with that? It's not uncommon for people to say that. So historically, there have been different nuancy benefits to incorporating in different states. And it makes the states 
small business friendly when they make it easier to incorporate in their state. So for example, they want you, many states set up incentives for you to incorporate or form a business in their jurisdiction. And in Delaware, it used to be privacy laws. So for a lot of national corporations, and they have locations in multiple states, they would just incorporate in Delaware because it was the most confidential. Or they would incorporate in Nevada, which used to be the best tax opportunity. And then Florida, which has limited state taxes or property taxes. I mean, the list could go on. Texas, because they decided to give everybody a $15,000 startup, you know, grant. So there's all sorts of things that have gone on over time. And the truth is that most of the time, unless you start as a multi-state entity, you're going to incorporate in the state in which you're doing business. Traditionally, if you're filing your personal returns in New York, then you're going to want to file your business returns there as well. Well, I don't want to file in New York anymore. <laughs> I know. Don't file in California either. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So I live in New York and my residence is in New York. Can I set up my corporation in Florida as an example? You can. Yes, you can. But New York may say, look, you're doing business here and you have a business license here. We want you to pay us taxes. So it's not that it's it's unheard of. New York may traditionally it's the place in which you're earning the business. So uh, or, or earning the revenue. And if you're based there and your entity is based there filing in Florida, Florida will be happy with you for filing there. But New York may not be so happy and they may say, actually, you owe taxes here. So really, it's a matter of them either finding out or you know, making that decision that you have enough basis in Florida. So if I have like an online business and I do business in every state in the country, does, I guess it doesn't really matter as There's much. more flexibility right? there. Yes, it's true. Although we're based in California, we're an online business. We incorporated in California. We pay California taxes. We're here. My employees are here, you know, so um, even though it's not to my financial benefit, I feel that it's probably the right thing to do. Yeah, it's just doing the right thing. I like that. <laughs> I like that in a, in a leader of a corporation. Yeah. So one of the questions I have written down here is the DBA doing business as and the licensing and all that. What's really the, the difference between like the corporation and a DBA? Sure. So a lot of times people do both. They set up some, many small businesses start with just a DBA or a business license. And often they're at your local county jurisdiction or your state filing. And basically it's a right to do business. And again, it's often a tax requirement that you file to do business. Like for example, in Los Angeles and all the New York counties, same thing. You have to do your filing and notify them that you're doing business here. And if you don't, they often will come after you and say, how much business have you been doing here? You owe us past taxes or whatever. So you just designate yourself as a DBA by filing a business license within that jurisdiction. It does not provide you with that liability protection that I was talking about. It also doesn't necessarily mean that you have a new tax structure or that if you have investors, they're going to see that as a corporate structure that protects you. So that next level of incorporating is what's so important. Although business licenses are super common, like you think about it with, you talked about restaurants is the one, one of 90 uh, types of franchises. Yeah, 90. So, okay. So they're interesting because they have a lot of requirements for licenses. Like they need maybe a liquor license or a physical license. Um, people who do contracting work or construction workers, drivers, all sorts of licenses. So those are still required independent of your corporation or LLC. But sometimes what's called a DBA or doing business as is what business owners think is protecting them. And it's really not. It's the corporation or LLC structure that does. 
Oh, okay. That's that's good. I, but someone did give me advice 19 years ago to not do a DBA. It didn't matter. I, I owned a, a couple of smoothie franchises here in New York um, yeah. you know, years ago. And he's like, no, no, no. You just, you just need a, a, a sub S. Yeah. 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 You did right. That's right. That's smart. And then if you're, if your county requires a certain license or you're needing, we can actually do the research for you. So you tell us you're from XYZ County in New York and what, what are the requirements for this type of business? And we can help you figure that out. Oh, really? That's a great resource. Yeah. That's, it's awesome. That's, that's always the question. You know, people always say, well, how do I find out, you know, what I need in, in my state or in my county? And I'm like, yeah, I'd go to the website. It's yeah. Simple. Sometimes you find out by default when they send you an email going, why didn't you register? <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, but yeah. it's better to know in advance. And frankly, it's not that big of a deal if you don't know ahead of time. But honestly, we have a research service that we do. I think, you know, it's pretty quick. It takes a week. We pull, pull all the requirements that you need and then we can do the filings for you as well. Yeah, because, you know, when somebody's buying a franchise, I like them to know exactly as close to the penny as possible, how much is it going to cost to get this thing running? And, mm -hmm. you know, even though it's like maybe a $40 license, it's $40. And then yeah. something else, it's like $100. And before you know it, you're a few thousand dollars over budget. So yeah. I like to have that information up front. So that's yeah, no. very, very that's helpful. Love that. So a lot of times people that I work with they use a 401k rollover. So you're familiar with this? They, but this yeah. mandates them to have a corporation C. Yeah. Right. So why is that? <laughs> well, like, you know, it's just it's, a tax thing. It is. It is. It's also mandated by certain state and federal laws. The rollover of your 401k and not being able to declare it as a income, right? Or pulling out, it's taken as a loan. And so those requirements are pretty nuancy from a legal standpoint, but you're right on. It's very common for 401k rollovers. We do a lot of work with partners that assist businesses with their 401k rollover. And then you're, and they, same thing, we form a corporation for them. We form a C-Corp and then you need a tax ID. You also need, a, um, traditionally it's two tax IDs, one for the 401k, one for the new entity. So it's very common. Um, and the reason for the structure is pretty specific to um, 401 k related law so yeah probably more than your your listeners want to know <laughs> from yeah, the legal uh, you'll be surprised but i'll have them go to you guys directly to get that information and we have a lot of, a lot of other partners out there in the finance world who you might even know you know mm -hmm. like Iden financial fran fund benetrend yeah. you know. we work with all of them we oh, know them all cash fire funding yeah. absolutely yeah oh that's good i'm glad that you know them they're great great folks I do a lot of work with them almost on a daily basis. So, ah, okay, good. Yeah. So, same here. That's great. Oh, oh, good. Okay. We have to talk more about that offline. I want to pick your brain. So, why does it benefit, kind of off the topic a little bit, but trademarking? Why do I need a trademark if I'm starting a business? As a general business owner, trademarks are super important because it's the identity of your business, right? It's the way that customers perceive you with your brand and your, your name. So I, I always say that trademarking your corporate name or the business, the name under which you're going to market your business is important. You're going to invest a lot of money in the development of the business, in marketing your business. The last thing you need is someone to come after the fact and claim that they own it or start using the brand and creating um, their own revenue source. Franchises are a little bit different because they're traditionally very structured from a trademark standpoint. These are the proper uses. These are the requirements. Um, you can't create your own brand. Interestingly, a fact about franchisees is they often try to create their brand name as the same as their franchisor. So we work with a lot of franchisees and they try to say, okay, 
Uh, my name is Subway Sweeney Inc. And well, Subway doesn't want you to do that, right? Because that's their brand. And so they've established a brand and the mechanisms under which they can be used by third parties. And this could be a dilution of their brand. So I think you need to think of it when you're a business owner, a small business startup. It's a critical piece. When you're a franchisee, you need to be aware of the franchise laws under the uh, franchisor umbrella. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big deal. And a lot of people find it out the hard way when they're going through their process. So yeah. uh, again, if somebody could talk to somebody like you, or, you know, your team and understand that fact before they start running names through the state to find out yeah. that they can't anyway, that would be a big leg up to not waste that time. It's, it's interesting. I, I remember being at a seminar uh, actually out there in California a couple of years ago, and there was um, some kind of CPA thing guy was talking and he said, you know, a great thing to do is when you're thinking about your name for your corporation, make it having something to do with your last name or your initials. So then when you get something monogrammed, it's actually a business write-off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, there's always something. <laughs> That's awesome. That's interesting. Yeah. For all your monogram shirts. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, but no, truthfully, it's 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 very common for franchisees to try to take the name of the franchisor and then they've registered it because the states don't rule over that. They don't make a decision. So they say, sure, you could be whatever you want. And then they come back and the franchisor is like, eh, that's not going to work. So yeah. you try to tell them in advance. Like even we do a lot of franchise work with healthcare companies and they don't let you use certain healthcare words within it, or there's certain limitations, cleaning company, you can't use clean. So there's different ones where, you know, you, you have to use maybe you know, just, just your last name and industries or something rather generic, even though you're using the brand of the franchise separately. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, and, and it's good to know that kind of stuff ahead of time. And that's what, you know, you're there for That's what I'm here for. This mm -hmm. is a great learning experience for me. I can help more people understand the right way to do things. So just a little bit more about, you know, the, your corporation, how long have you guys been around? We've been 20 21 years, I guess it's uh yeah, 20, 20 ish. Yeah. 21 years. So it's been quite some time. We've had a great evolution in the industry in terms of, you know, from, from the days when LLCs were just starting to the evolution of LLCs to even like, if you think about it today, how small businesses are not necessarily the businesses that we used to think of 15 years ago. It's not always bricks and mortar. I mean, you brought up internet businesses, uh, gig workers, people who are working for Amazon or delivering things or, you know, independent contractors, even when you're working for a large corporation, a lot of times you're an independent contractor and they require you to incorporate or form an LLC as part of the employment law limitations. So they, large businesses don't want you to be an employee. If you're an independent contractor, they want you to form a corporation to establish your business. And so I think those are all things that we never used to think about when we started in the industry. Um, I think we did, and everybody at that time thought of bricks and mortar, right? Your small corner shop that you're opening. And, and there's a lot more to the incorporation world today, um, including really neat opportunities for investment capital and VC funding and angel investors, all of which require a business to incorporate to take on investment. And the structure there is, you know, it's interesting to look at how the industry's evolved. Yeah, it, it's really, it's fascinating. You, you know, like you said, it's, it might be dry, but it's really not dry. If, if, you're, if you're into yeah. business, it's, it's just downright awesome and interesting to me. But as an aside, you brought up something that just made me think. I have some friends who are like heavy into, you know, 
as a side gig, you know, they call them a side hustle now, mm-hmm, selling mm-hmm. things like on um, Poshmark as an example, where mm-hmm. you have old clothes in your closet you haven't worn and they're gently used. You could sell them, you know, for a lot less than you paid for them. But I have friends that are doing a couple of thousand dollars a month on sites like that. Would it behoove them to set up an LLC? I think a lot of times it's really just what you're saying. It's, do you have risk associated with it? Is it valuable from a separating anything else that you're doing? The same would hold true. I get a lot of questions about real estate. Like, do I need to set up a different LLC for each property I own or for each small business I do? You may consider actually forming a corporation in an instance that you're a reseller of products or services to third parties. You don't have to do one for every outlet. You sell on Amazon, you sell on this, you sell on that one one corporation, right? And the same would be true. You don't necessarily need a separate LLC for every property, but you always have to be thinking about it in terms of your risk benefit allocation. Is this expensive for me to incorporate all these businesses and maintain them? Should I just incorporate one and protect myself as a business owner? So I would say, yes, uh, it's wise to protect yourself. Do you need a separate one for every industry you're in? No. Do you need a separate LLC for every physical property you own? Maybe not. But if you have big properties or you're renting out your space or you know, any of those variables are ones that would make you think, okay, I should probably form, you know, people rent their houses out on VRBO. You should form an LLC for that. I mean, the risk is crazy, right? That's your home or a home you own or a property. And so I think those are things that people should really think about in the new industries they may not have thought about before. Wow. Yeah. You're so right about that. I never thought about that. So if I'm an Airbnb person renting out my apartment once a month in Manhattan, I should have something protecting me because it's a million dollar apartment. Exactly. Exactly. The risk is significant. And people think, oh, I only make a couple thousand dollars a month on it or whatever. I rent it out twice a year. Uh, but, you know, or I'm in I'm in some you know, industry that we're in the ski region and we are rented. But you probably rent it out for 10, 50,000, whatever it is. You rent it out for enough money. And the people who are there, they destroy it or something goes wrong. Everyone says, well, I have insurance in place. Better off you have insurance in place and you separate your personal from your business, especially. Well, a couple of hundred dollars is crazy. Exactly. Not to Totally true. Agree with you 100%. Well, yep. I, have, yeah, I have to do a couple applications with you guys just in case. Here we go. I'm here to help. <laughs> That's so awesome. So what, what is like the biggest myth that you would like to bust about your industry, about you know LLCs or corporations that, that you could think of? Well, when we were talking before, I said it's not very exciting and you mentioned it again. I, I don't want to belittle our great industry, but it isn't like people think of I go shopping online for fun things, right? And so it's not exactly like, woohoo, this is an exciting endeavor, but it is simpler than people think. And so I think people get caught up and I, I can't do this or it's too confusing. I can't figure it out. I mean, in 30 minutes, we've talked about all of these different variables and kind of given people answers that they probably haven't had. Um, so really just a teeny bit of investment in thinking it through is, is goes a long way. And so I think the biggest myth is it's too complicated, it's too expensive, and that you need a lawyer. And I'm not saying I'm a lawyer. So it's not saying you don't need a lawyer. Lawyers are super useful for certain things, not necessarily for doing transactional filings like this. So you don't need to pay a ton of money to get this done. And use a lawyer when you take on investors. Use a lawyer when you have, you know, huge business partners come in or um, you need to, you know, contract a deal with some big corporate structure then, but not for a simple transaction. I think you can Funny enough, we work with a ton of lawyers who use us on the back end because they don't want to do with, you know, the details. So I think that there are benefits to, you know, lawyers, CPAs use us using professionals for, you know, complicated things and transactions that you need, but not necessarily for, you know, simple filings. That's so awesome. Great, great advice. Do you have any other 
kind of parting words of advice or any hacks or any great things that, that are on your plate? Like, what are you really excited about right now? Uh, any books you would recommend or anything like that? Okay. I believe that all business owners need to find their them, like what makes them excited to, to make their business successful, right? So I, I, I believe that this little nuance thing, like incorporating, just get it done, just move on from that and do the things that really make you happy in business, those things that you're passionate about, because that's what brings success. And I think that emanates with your team, with your employees. And I believe it every day. I come to work and I'm super excited about working. And I, as I mentioned, I sold the business and yet I still every day come and, and we, we dance around and pass out paychecks on Fridays and do silly things. And I think bringing your passion to your um, business is so critically important. That's, yeah, that's so wonderful. That's really great. I can imagine how that looks on Fridays. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah, so great. So I really appreciate your time, Deborah Sweeney and uh, mycorporation.com. I guess that's the best way to reach you guys, right? Mycorporation.com, any any other contact info you could give out that you'd like to give out? Yeah, I mean, you can email us customer service at mycorporation.com. We'll answer any questions you have. Our, we have a live person answer every single call. So if you have questions, you can call anyone on our team. We're super, our focus, if it, anything, is great customer service. We believe rather than volume, we'd rather have depth in relationships with our customers. And we work with a lot of large partners. And so it, it counts to us that we respond and we want to make a difference. So feel free to call at my corporation and Twitter too. So, you know, we're always on Twitter and we're always trying to help. We're really about education and we feel the rest comes good when we, when we educate and help small business owners. And that's, you know, at the outset, actually, before we went on, I said that, that this was a great partnership with the Franchise Academy and MyCorporation.com because this is a very, I'm all about education. Just find out the facts about franchising. And now you know how to figure out if you need an LLC or a subcorp S or where to go to find out what you need. So uh, again, thank you for your time, Deborah. And we'll talk again very, very soon. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. All right. And you can check out everything about mycorporation.com on thefranchiseacademy.com and go to thefranchiseacademy.com for past episodes and a lot of information, again, for your education, for your inspiration, everything you need to know about franchising. We'll see you again soon. God bless. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration. 